for someone listening to this message, it is the commencement of a journey to destiny. For someone else, it is a confirmation. For yet another, it is a continuation of a journey to destiny. As you listen to the senior pastor, Daystar Christian Center, Pastor Sam Adeyemi, the word will work wonders in you and for you. Let's continue with our discussions uh, that we've been running all through this month on love. Let's read John chapter 3, verse 16. Then we'll read 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, both from the Message Bible. John 3, 16, Message Bible. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. 1 John 3, 16. This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his love for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. It amazes me that in God's limitless wisdom, he sees that love is the best solution to mankind's problems. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's amazing. So social development, political advancement, technological breakthroughs, honestly, they do not necessarily make our world better where there is no love. Okay, let me put it this way. Forgive my big grammar. More money and more power <laughs> without love will not necessarily make our world better. Okay, more money, more power, more achievement will not necessarily make our world better without love. In the course of this series, we've established one fact, that love is our nature, okay? Love is our nature. When you receive God's nature, right? It's a nature of love. And that is what gives us the capacity to love other people. Pastor Nike drew our attention to practical dimensions to the demonstration of love in our families and in our society. Well, I want us to move today. We've discussed that love is our nature. Today, let's discuss the fact that love is our culture. Love is our culture. Hmm. How can love become the culture in our families, organizations, and nations? Because culture really is what changes the world. Think of it this way. We humans are creatures of habit. Something is your habit when you don't have to even think about it. It's your, you do it. It's your default mode, right? Habit. Something has happened to me a few times. 
I don't know if it's happened to you before, if you drive. Several times, actually, not a few. I've been going somewhere, and I did not turn where I was supposed to turn. Or I turned before I got to where I was supposed to turn. You know where I usually turn? Where I turn every day. It's either because I'm thinking, right? I'm doing some deep thinking, or I'm in the car with someone, maybe with Pastor Nike, and, and we're into some good gist, right? I'm enjoying the gist. My driving goes into default mode. So I'm not thinking about the driving anymore because most of the time I don't think when I'm driving. If it's where I've been going, honestly, it's when I get there that I realize I got there. I'm just driving. So a few times, it, ha it happened recently, right? We were going somewhere. And then we were enjoying the gist and I was about to park when I realized we were in the wrong place. Gratefully, it was not far away. I just pulled out, I drove. Then Pastor Nick said, where are you going? What's going? Why are we moving? I said, look at where we are. She said, oh my God. Both of us were deeply engrossed in the discussion. That's us humans. Habits, right? Habits put us on autopilot. So when it comes, for example, to giving, giving in church, some of us are on autopilot. In other words, we don't even think about it. It's the same amount. It is income multiplied 10 times in the last five years. That didn't change anything when it comes to, oh, offering to give in church. It's default mode, right? <laughs> oh. In fact, where some of us sit in church is default mode. It's habit. There are some of us, but I want to know whether you came to church or not. I know where to look. <laughs> I suspect some people are going to change their seats next week, <laughs> right? We're creatures of habits. Habit is not bad. Habits make decision-making easier. Honestly, the brain just takes care of that. We say that it has gone into our subconscious. So it, we don't need to bring it to the realm of conscious thinking anymore. It's now sub subconscious. It's default mode. We do it. Autopilot. That's what we call it, right? So with that, we can make decisions without consciously thinking, exerting energy. Now, culture is the collective thinking and habits of a group of, group of people. A family can have a culture. An organization can have a culture. A community can have a culture. A nation can have its culture. In fact, they always do. Whether we are conscious of them or not. And that's, that's what makes culture powerful. The fact that it operates at the realm of the subconscious. You don't even need to think about it. The thinking is already done for you. Mm. Culture is our way of life that evolves over time as we respond to varying situations and circumstances. We make decisions on what to do. We take that action. We repeat that action over and over and over before you realize it. That's the main thing. It's the fashion. It's the in thing. It's what everybody does anyway. Sometimes, you know the powerful dimension to culture? It passes from generation to generation to the extent that 
at some point you have some people doing a particular thing who have no idea how people began to do it and why. That's a dangerous part to culture. And <laughs> changing it, therefore, becomes stressful because we have to bring the issue to the realm of conscious thinking. And we have to do that consistently for like a month or for like three months or for like a year before the new thinking and action or behavior now also goes into the subconscious and becomes a part of our life. You see why people's lives don't change really easily? Not to talk of a collection of people. Culture is powerful. And I'm asking us today to please pay attention to culture. Whenever you want to solve any problems at the family level, at the organizational level, at the national level, please pay attention to culture. At the end of the day, it determines uh, the definition of success for the group. It then determines who is successful and who fails. It's so powerful, it tends to overwhelm individual efforts for change, honestly. If collectively, ev everybody pounces on you, everybody gets on you, everybody condemns you or criticizes you, nobody loves rejection, right? So sometimes the pain of doing something new, doing something different is so overwhelming, we actually give up in the attempt to do something new or to change anything. So today we're discussing about love. When it is practiced consistently over time, it becomes the culture. When lack of love is practiced consistently over time in a community, it also becomes what? The culture. My observation from the Bible, when God gave the Ten Commandments, you know, through Moses and other statutes, it was actually national culture that he was trying to build, honestly. He was not trying to create a religion. He was trying to create a national culture. These people just came out of slavery. There was a culture that was prevalent there. God wanted to create a new one. How do I know? Matthew 22, they asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? Matthew 22, 35 to 40, New Living Translation. Matthew 22, 35 to 40, New Living Translation. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Pay attention to verse 40. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Can you see that? Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. God was trying to create a culture of love in Israel. Remarkable. Love solves all problems from God's viewpoint. Let me read also from Paul the Apostle, Galatians 5 verse 14, New Living Translation, Galatians 5 14. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that powerful? All those statutes, don't eat this, eat that. Don't do this, don't do that. This was the end goal national culture of love. Don't steal, don't kill, 
Don't covet what belongs to your neighbor. Don't commit adultery. Everything was geared towards the building of a culture of love. If you love me, you won't steal from me. Right? If you love me, you won't take my life. Right? Everything was actually geared towards building a culture of love. I've been to countries, honestly, where not only have they made love policy part of the law, okay? Love has become part of the culture. Why do I say so? I want to go through a door. Somebody is ahead of me. The person that went in ahead of me holds the door till I get there. Staying on a queue is a demonstration of love. You are demonstrating respect. You came after me, so you stand behind me. You are demonstrating respect for me as a person, respect for my time, right? The provision of good infrastructure, for example, good roads, both for the rich and the poor. So this is not for one person. So when you see a society where selfishness is stronger than love, you will see it individually rich people, individually powerful people. Anything that is common, you know, that is common goods, common property, you see them depreciate. Provision of good infrastructure, good roads. I've seen emergency services. Honestly, it's one of the greatest demonstrations of love. The fact that when somebody has been hurt in a bad way, maybe somebody is involved in an accident or something, or, or somebody is having a health crisis and the person's life is in danger, the first five, ten minutes really, really matter. They can make the difference between life and death. When you have a society where love is the culture, you will see the emergency services, they will invest in the emergency services so that, right, Professionals arrive at the spot within a few minutes and the person can begin to receive professional attention within a few minutes. It's, it's huge, come on, it's huge. And I've seen some even also have it in their laws that if you come upon an accident scene and someone is hurt, by law, you must not leave. You have to stay there and call the emergency services. And you must not leave until the emergency services arrive. If you leave, maybe somebody catches your plate number, they give it to the, <laughs> you know, to the law enforcement authorities, you may go to jail for it. It's love, protecting and preserving human life and human dignity. Ensuring that every child gets high quality education, high quality I think that's the greatest, one of the greatest demonstrations of love, honestly, because what goes into a mind comes out in the life. What happens at that level, that young age has already created the next 30 years or 50 for somebody's life. Demonstration of love, that's what I'm talking about. At a national level, somebody wants to get some document, maybe like a driving license or an international passport or some other documentation like that, that the person doesn't have to sit down for a whole day or stay for a whole week. Can someone bear me witness? Right. That value for the person's time, I was going to say life, because the two of them are the same. Honest, 
It's all of them are the same. <laughs> Take the time I've spent on this planet out of my life. What will be left? Nothing. Your time is your life. So if I can attend to someone in 30 minutes and the person has to spend three weeks to get something, I'm wasting the person's life. I'm talking about national culture, a culture of love. So let me ask a question as I bring this to a close. What kind of a culture were you raised in? What kind of culture did you grow up in? Culture is powerful because what I'm saying is it's programmed you, put you on autopilot, and it is operating at, the, at your subconscious level. What kind of a culture were you raised in? Was it kind or was it harsh? And the harshness begins with words. When harsh words are used on someone, come on, before you realize it, the person is also going to use it on somebody else. Was there a culture of forgiveness or was there a culture of revenge? When Christ came, he made a culture of revenge. Is that you guys have had an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Now, those things were instituted under Moses to prevent people. Again, he was trying to establish a culture of love. Don't forget. It was to prevent people from hurting other people. It wasn't really that God's intention was that they should be removing everybody's eye. <laughs> After some time, everybody will go blind, right? Oh, no. It, it was to serve as a deterrent because they did not have that internal capacity to do it. Today, we have the Holy Spirit inside us to help us. So Jesus Christ came and said, look, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You guys have taken it too far. Excuse for hurting other people. He said, I'm giving you a higher law. If someone slaps you, he says, just turn the other cheek. Stop removing each other's eyes. <laughs> culture of, did you grow up in, in a place with a culture of fear and suspicion or a culture of trust? Did you grow up in an environment that makes things difficult for people or that makes things easier for people? Did you grow up in an atmosphere of freedom or in an atmosphere of manipulation? I must say families are very important. So this is the challenge for us today. When it comes to this culture issue, the family, organizations, and nations, it is important that we create new cultures. How do we create new cultures? That's where we need leadership. That is where we need leadership. Honestly, it's one of the most important functions of anyone in a leadership position, creating the culture. Leaders shape the thinking. That's the starting point. Change the thinking of the family, of the organization, of the nation. At our family devotion, I remember, you know, first week of this year, we were discussing about what it means to be a member of the Samadhi and the family. You've just got to be a kind person, right? Okay, so we're addressing family culture. Same thing for an organization, same thing for a church, okay? Same thing for a nation. Leaders change culture by communicating vision and values. Communicating the ultimate vision, where we're going, and the kind of behavior that will get us there. And then we shift, give people strong reasons to shift their thinking and to change their habits. Leaders also change culture by modeling, modeling. Whatever it is we want to see in other people, we have to be the examples. 
And then leaders change culture by changing policies, changing laws in organizations, in nations. Okay, once it's law, it's law. This is what is acceptable here. This is not acceptable. And then leaders do it by changing the environment. You came, whatever room you are in right now, you came into the room through the door. Am I right? You did not dissolve through the wall. <laughs> by putting the wall where it was put, your behavior was already controlled. So if we close those doors and we open new ones in the walls, Guess what? Anytime you want to go out, you go through the new door. Am I right? That's what leaders do. Changing the environment. Color, lighting, messaging, everything. Behavior. To make people behave in a new way. Make people behave in a better way. My, my aunt, you know, one of my aunts did something fantastic. She called my dad and said, you know what? I don't want my children to continue to go into this environment. If they do, they may not end up well. Help me to take them to where you are so they can school there. My cousin tells me that 99% of the people that grew up on the street from which they were taken did not turn out well. And today he, he, he is a highly placed person in a global corporation. And he says that movement from where they were to where we were, and we lived in the same house, and I went to the same high school, he said that was the turning point for him in his life. Environment really matters. Leaders pay attention to that. All right. So let me conclude this way. Two things we've discussed in this series. Number one, we've got to have the nature of love. Every human being is born with the nature of sin. Nature of sin is not nature of love. At some point, we need to ask God for forgiveness and accept that God sent Jesus Christ to die for us on the cross. And then God gives us his own nature. First step. That, one, that gives us the capacity to love. Secondly, we've got to cultivate new love habits. I'll end there today. Cultivate new love habits. Forgiving may not be normal to you, but you've got to cultivate it now as a new habit. Being kind. Speaking kind words may not be normal to you, but you've got to cultivate it right now as a new habit. Being generous, giving to people may not be normal to you. You may have been raised in an environment where there was a lot of stinginess and selfishness. Now you've got to cultivate new habit. Don't forget the love we're talking about is sacrificial love. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Christ demonstrated love, 1 John 3, 16, by laying down his own life for us. So look at your environment. Look at your life today. And I just wanted to invite you to this new culture of love in our families, in our organizations, in our nations. Those of us that belong to God's kingdom need to accept the responsibility to establish the culture of love. Please bow your head with me and let's pray. So let's start from here. If you don't have the nature of God yet, can we pray together for a minute? Can we pray together? Can you just pray and say, Lord, forgive me my sins. I accept Jesus Christ pray for my sins. Forgive me my sins today and give me your own nature. If you have, can you also go ahead and pray? Lord, in Jesus' name, help me. Help me in, in our family. Help me to cultivate the habits of love 
helped me to contribute to the building of a culture of love in my organization and in my nation, in my community. Help me to contribute to the building of the culture of love as an influencer in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name we're grateful. We receive your word with thanksgiving. And now, God of heaven, we stand with everyone that is praying today and asking for forgiveness of sins. And everyone who wants to receive your, your nature of love. Oh, thank you, Heavenly Father, because Jesus already died a shameful and painful death on the cross to make this possible. So we thank you because you are more than willing to forgive us. If you're that honest person, you may be a part of this service at any of our physical locations, online or on TV. Can you put your hand on your heart? I'm a sinner. I cannot be lying. I want God to forgive my sins. Can you please put your hand on your heart? Please say this prayer after me. Dear God, I believe that Jesus paid for my sins. I ask you to forgive me and to accept me as your child. Thank you for hearing my prayer in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, as a church, we all together thank you for our brothers and sisters that said this prayer. Thank you for forgiving their sins. Most importantly, thank you for removing the nature of sin from them and putting your own nature there. Heavenly Father, help them to know you personally. Help them, teach them to love you and to love other people the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.